Good day to you all. Welcome to this week's episode of In Depth with Beth and Seth, the podcast from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis, the podcast. But maybe not always. Maybe there will be more than one. But for the moment, the podcast from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. My name is Seth Patterson. I am your minister for spiritual formation and theater. And I am joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith, who preached a sermon this past Sunday that we're going to talk about. We are going to just go in depth. We are going to dive into this one, Beth. You ready Bring for it? Bring it on. Bring it on, Seth. We're going to make you justify every word you said. Oh, we're going to be here for a while then. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am Beth Hoffman Faith, and I am your minister for congregational care and worship at Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. And it's always a joy to be here so and talking you, about things. Well, we're going to talk about some things. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the things that came out in your sermon preached February 28th, the last day of February 2021. And it is called the covenant to care and to keep the scripture is genesis 17 1 through 7 and then 15 and 16 we'll skip a couple in there and it is about abram and sarai becoming abraham and sarah and the promise that god the covenant that god gives to them we decided as a clergy team to use the old hebrew bible scriptures during lent and to talk about covenant what was your first reaction when you saw that this was the one that you were going to do this week? Well, I should preface by saying before I even knew what scripture I would receive to preach on, uh, I have a rather complicated relationship with covenant. And so when we decided to preach about it, I knew that I would wrestle with um, an understanding of what covenant is, how it's lived out. I just have experienced too much broken covenant in my life in a variety of ways. And so I, I think it's important that we talk about it and especially in the understanding of returning and renewing our covenants, returning to and renewing our covenants, which is sort of the subtitle of our sermon series. But when I read this particular story of Abraham and Sarah, I was more intrigued by what they left out than (laughs) anything, um, And as I say in the sermon, this is not the first covenant that God makes with Abram and Sarai, but the covenants that God has made before haven't come to fulfillment yet. So God instructs Abram early on in Genesis to leave behind all he's known and go go to a new land, which he does. And there he will become the father of all nations, I think scripture reads. And then later God covenants with Abram and Sarai that They will have descendants more numerous than the stars, which for a couple who has only experienced infertility is is a pretty big covenant to make. And And they're a bit old. And they're a little old. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, they were probably in their 70s, but then a couple decades pass and still this hasn't happened. And and that's where this particular covenant that I preached on from the 17th chapter comes in, where it's almost like a reaffirmation of an older covenant covenant. And God is sort of saying, well, okay, now is the time. Now is the time. Uh, What's interesting is that the section that's left out that isn't read from the lectionary and that I I decided to also not read is how covenant would be expressed, which was by circumcision. So God instructs 
Abram, Abraham, to uh, tell all the males in the community that they had to be circumcised as a sign of their covenant with God, that mm-hmm. they were going to follow God. And that particular thread weaves its way through scriptures in a variety of, of ways. Interesting to me that the common lectionary editors decided to leave that out, um, but did include the last two verses, which brings Sarai back into the picture. And uh, also, there's a name change for her to Sarah, too. You didn't want to touch circumcision. In a, <laughs> you, that'd be a lot to try to fill in. That's a dense piece. It is. It dense is. Pericope. I get it. And it's sort of fraught with a, some complicated understanding. What is disappointing to me is that the very next line in the scripture that doesn't get read because it's not included in the lectionary is that Abraham's response is to laugh. And then later that's repeated when Sarah finds out she's going to have a child at age 99, she laughs too. Yeah. And this, this sort of, you know, we can look at laughter as a being a response of joy or being a response of who are you kidding? How could this happen now? I just love that, that response that when God tells you something that you would find it humorous. (laughs) Yeah. There's often uh, examples in the whole Bible of, being told something and people are incredulous in one way mm-hmm. or the other, but it's not always through laughter. Right. And then it's Isaac, their first child. His name means some he who laughs or the one who laughs or something like that. So even the concept of laughter gets passed on to the generations. Right. That's a sermon I'd like to hear about. Well, there you go. Tuck that one away for, for a future Sunday, Seth. But what I wanted to explore in the sermon was this sort of idea of continued covenant or reaffirmation of covenant and how Sarah and Abraham were far from perfect people. Their life reads a little bit like a soap opera, actually. And yet they remained faithful to each other. They remained faithful to God, even when the covenant that had been promised wasn't coming to fruition. And in this particular covenant, then to me, God is saying that this is not only about the two of them and God, but this is about all the generations to come, which to me includes us, that this is a covenant for all people. And God is God. God will be our God. We are God's people. And the way we acknowledge and participate in this covenant to me is how we care for each other. One of the things I really appreciated this about this sermon, and I want to get to some specifics in a second, is that it, I mean, I would say that this is true with all things. It matched what I was already thinking in my head. Hmm. There was some line of thinking that I was already working through. Um, I've been thinking a lot about how do we become the ancestors we need to be? Hmm. And how do we, how do we act as the descendants that our ancestors hoped we would be? That idea of lineage and that we are part of a longer stream and that we too, in whatever way, whether it's via children and grandchildren or just the way that we influence the world and the relationships we have, we are creating the ripple effect of who we are now will make a difference going forward. Uh, I just read, I did this uh, meditation about this for one of the video meditations. I read that the last Civil War v- widow died in January of this year. Mm. 160 years after the Civil War ended, the last widow died because a very young woman married a very old Civil War veteran in 1936. Mm. So we were alive. So that legacy of the Civil War, very in a connection to one person, lived until now. I was fortunate enough to meet a 100-year-old man in Chicago whose grandmother was a slave, was enslaved in Mississippi. That connection to that past is no longer relegated to just concept. Like 
I've met the person mm. who learned from a emancipated enslaved person. That kind of legacy is just where my brain is. Well, and you're using a really important word, legacy. And that is something that I lift up a little bit. You know, if we're going to think about the way we treat each other now, not having only an impact on ourselves in this moment, but for generations yeah. to come, what is the legacy that we're leaving? And, and I, you know, I, I bring it back to Plymouth and to the covenant that we share in membership at Plymouth Congregational Church and how faithful we are within that covenant. And the covenant's not just about now. I mean, this, this particular covenant is based on the Salem covenants, 400 years old. And so these antiquated words, how do they bring meaning now? And how do they perpetuate us towards the future? Right. They only can if we participate in them. Exactly. And that's why I loved how you started off telling about your own place of really intimate responsibility in that way. You as a mother to your daughters and, and all that you three have been through in the last month of really big milestones and separation. And one daughter is back at college far away. One daughter is now in a car driving around. Mm. That's a lot of separation that you have had to do the work to get them to be there, but it's also now on them and you're being a good ancestor. <laughs> well, at times, um, you know, that parental covenant that we hold is perhaps one of the most humbling relationships we have, whether yeah. we are thinking about the relationship we have with our own parents or who we are as parents. It's interesting to me in the covenant of Plymouth Church, the words that really gravitate toward me are these, the, the binding, we bind together which, as I say in my sermon, is reminiscent of a marital vow or mm -hmm. a parental covenant. We are bound to one another. What does, that, what does that look like in these days? And what does that mean for our past, present, and future? And it brings up the challenge, as you and I talked about right before we started recording, of in a parental or spousal relationship and these sort of purposeful partnerships. And it is easier to distinguish between love and like. I will always love my daughter, but I don't always like what she does. I don't always mm. like her decisions. My parents said that to me often, a lot as a really? child. I can't imagine, Seth. I, really I mean, can't. I was practically perfect. <laughs> I made one mistake once, but they would often remind me <laughs> when that they would always love me and that they didn't like me a lot right now. That is really challenging. I mean, as a parent and in these partner-like relationships, marriages or other things, you're choosing this and it's, it's bilateral. Mm. But in a community, that's a lot harder. One, you don't know everybody. Two, you might know a lot of people and you might not like them, but you're still called to be bound together with them. Mm. So when you started the sermon and you were moving through the parental things, uh, that was an obvious direct path. When you moved into the church covenant, I found myself wonderfully surprised by that change in direction. I was not expecting that. Even though last week you did say you would use the covenant, <laughs> I did not expect the pivot from the parental responsibility, the parental covenant found in Genesis and that you were explaining to this us as a community covenant. Mm -hmm. So I, re I really appreciate that. I like being surprised in sermons. 
Well, I'll remember that as I uh, construct future sermons. And I think what I came to the realization of, which I probably knew but needed to be reminded of, is that covenants have similar threats. The covenant we make one another in marriage, the covenant we make to our children, the covenant we make when we decide freely and willingly to enter into community with another. They, they have similar threats, right, of, of connection, of commitment, of responsibility, of accountability. And I think the other thing is that they are, they're fragile. Covenants are fragile. Because yeah, we're choosing. Right. And, and constantly having, like you said at the beginning, having to reaffirm it. Yes, which I think is why thinking about it and exploring it during our Lenten season is a significant spiritual practice that will hopefully lead us towards a stronger communal feel within Plymouth, even when we cannot be together in person. I mean, what does covenant mean when everything we're doing is virtual and when, you know, we can't literally bind ourselves together in the work of the church? We have to do it from a distance. We have to care for one another from a distance. We have to to keep. And I, I purposely used that that phrase to care and to keep because mm-hmm. it's not like we have ownership over one another, but we are charged to sort of take the idea of care to another level, that we are responsible for the well-being of another. I'm not the first person to to come up with this analogy, but it's one that continues. I don't remember where I heard it that keeps coming up, but it's like a three-legged race. That's covenant because mm. it's awkward. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. It can be fun. <laughs> you are as responsible for yourself as you are for the other person. And you have to trust that they are as well, whether you like this person or not. Mm. You could be bound leg to leg with somebody that you don't like, but you two have to get to the end of this together somehow. So that's the analogy. Whenever I hear covenant and bind together, I think of a three-legged race. <laughs> three-legged race. It's but a partially good... because of how awkward it is. Yeah, it's a great visual. And we don't run as fast when we're bound together. And it's not about winning. Covenant isn't about winning or getting first place. It's about truly honoring relationship and being in relationship together. Wait, it's not about winning? Then what's the no. point, Beth Hoffman Faith? <laughs> if we can't win, why are we playing? I'm kidding. Well, I know. I know. And I was trying to think of a really great comeback, but I don't have one. So um, I'll, I'll just let it settle. You said earlier about covenanting together in, in this time where we can't be physically together. And it makes me wonder if because we can't be physically put together, the covenant becomes, I mean, harder in many ways. But in one is that so much of our engagement now with the church and with each other is in a way in which we are able to very quickly make a snap decision of like or dislike. I like this song. Mm. I don't like this song. I don't like this sermon. I like this class. Don't like that comment. And when we get into that place, when our whole experience becomes more consumerish than participatory, our foundational reaction to it being likes and dislikes very easily, then that's all we see. We don't It's hard to remember that we also are called to love it, even if we don't like it. Mm. I love that people were using their voice and that the brilliance of an organ was being played, even if I don't like the song. That's a significant piece. One of the things that came up in Lenten evening prayer last night when we took a little bit of time to just discuss and reflect on covenant is, again, that that idea of, of how hard it is to be in a committed relationship with someone you don't really like very much. Um, 
which is church community. Yeah. And I think that as strong as we want to imagine a covenant to be, because to me that it's a word of strength and like sort of power, there's a gentleness that needs to be a part. It's a reminder to be really gentle with one another because we are bound together. You can't be harsh and abrasive with one another when you're well, bound you together. <laughs> well, you can be, but it's, it's going to hurt. Yeah. And there, it's going to leave wounds and maybe even create scars. If we would approach life together in community with a gentle spirit, I believe we might appreciate the blessings that come. A gentle spirit. Living together with a gentle spirit. Maybe that's the title of this one or something. That's really wise. <laughs> and that is how we're going to end on the wisdom of Beth Hoffman Faith, commenting on the wisdom of Beth Hoffman Faith sermon. Thank you all for your ears, your open minds, your hearts. Thank you for participating. Uh, thank you to all who make this happen. And thank you to you, Beth. Well, Seth, it's always a pleasure to talk with you about what we hear or preach or listen to from a Sunday morning. And uh, we would I know we would love to hear from listeners. So if you have questions or wish uh, we would ask different questions of one another, or maybe you've heard the sermon and want a little bit more engagement, then let us know. You can email us and we would be happy uh, to be in conversation with you. You can email Beth at BethF at Plymouth.org. And you can email Seth at SethP at Plymouth.org. We'd love to hear from you. Be well. Have a wonderful week. Listen again next week.